so dependent upon the map and and I was talking to a good friend of mine this week on the phone and he said you know what he says he says the Lord does not give us a map when we're going through stuff so he don't give us a map you know that's what we so long for is how do I get through this if I could just put it in my phone and put a drop pin you know and in the, in the struggle, I realized this morning, standing out on the driveway, watching the sun come up, drinking my coffee, I realized that it's six years today that I was given a diagnosis. I didn't get a map. I didn't get a map to know how to walk this thing out. But what God gave me was a compass. He didn't give me a map. He gave me a compass. true north follow true north when you follow true north you will walk into every encounter with him that he wants you to walk through and yeah some of it sucks but the goodness of God is that compass that's how that we can justify that's how we can walk through what God wants us to walk through is we've got to take that compass we got to put it on true north there's so many things running through my head right now 
And that's a good thing because I just had brain surgery, so it's a good thing. <laughs> when I was in forestry school, I, I did an internship, summer intern up in uh, Pingree Park here. Even though I was going to school in Oklahoma, they sent us out here up in Pingree Park up in the Poudre Canyon. And they gave us a compass. And they said, now the topo map says that you've got to set your declination on the compass at minus six degrees. I think that's where it was. Because that's magnetically where we are at. That's how you are guided. In the kingdom of God, there is no declination set, positive or negative, because his true north is true Every word that's in your Bible, every word is true north. And we have to rest upon that to know that Jesus is good. Jesus is king. Yeshua is good. Yeshua is king. Because when we follow that true north, we will step into all the goodness of God, even when the badness of the enemy is coming against us. So don't look for your map. Look for your compass. Some of y'all have put your compass away. Maybe you didn't even know you had it. It's in the junk drawer in the kitchen. Behind the bullets, behind the rubber bands, you'll find your compass. And when you find that compass, set it for true north and watch what God will do as you walk out your issues of life. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for this people. And I thank you, God, for your goodness. Father, help us to begin to see the gravity of your goodness. Father, I thank you. I praise you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for each and every person's life. I thank you, God, that you have given us everything that we need because you are see you guys this morning. Would you give our worship team a a hand clap? And before you sit down, turn around and give somebody a high five and tell them you're you're glad to see them this morning. How's everybody this morning? Glad to be here today? I'm glad to see you. It's been a while. It's been been a minute or two. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to, good to finally be back up here again. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And, man, it's just so good to, to see you guys and to, uh, man, it's good to see you guys from Tennessee, all the way from Tennessee. You're moving back, right? <laughs> I, caught, I caught them with a question and they went, no, it's good to have you all. It's good to see you all so much. So, um, Anyways, um, man, it's, it's good to, to see everybody. I want to welcome uh, on Facebook Live, I want to welcome everybody who is at home and, and um, joining us by Facebook or whatever platform that you found us on. We appreciate you. And we want to say hey to our Cowboy Church, Kingdom Ranch, Kingdom Ranch Cowboy Church in Merced, California this morning. 
Man, it's good to see you guys this morning. So if you would give them a hello, give them a shout. All right. Well, I'm going to get into some things today. Um, Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. See, I done forgot. I'm not going to get into anything right now. Um, I got into trouble, but that was about it. So... You know, this is the first of the month, and, and uh, we always like to pray over our tithes and offerings. Those of you who give, who God has asked you to, to be a partner with us, uh, we appreciate you giving and, and things. And, uh, but we've got a, a special guest talking about the tithes and offerings and the way we do things here. And, and so, uh, Ashley, Cole, if you would come on up. I, I was, she, she said to... To not embarrass Roy. Roy, Roy, Roy. Roy, do you want to come up? He says no. He, he'll do it next month. All right. All right, everybody welcome Ashley Cole. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good to see everyone. So, yes, I'm Ashley Cole. That's my husband, Roy Cole. Um, <laughs> we also serve on the hospitality team. So if we haven't had the opportunity to meet y'all yet, uh, next time you see us at the welcome desk, please stop by and say hello to us. Um, I did get permission from Pastor Darren this morning to start with a cheesy joke. So are y'all ready? Where... Does Captain Hook buy his hook? The second-hand store. Yeah, 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 good. <laughs> All right. So when we first started um, coming to church here, and before we took the financial peace classes, we didn't tithe. We were struggling to make ends meet. So how could we tithe, right? That was a difficult thing to figure into when we were already struggling, right? One of the many things that I appreciate in our church is that they don't pass a hat or a plate during service, right? There's no pressure to put something in the plate, you know, your tissue or a gum wrapper, right? <laughs> Tithing is between you and God, which is, which is great, right? Um, but how, what does it mean to tithe and how much should you tithe? Well, I'm so glad you asked that this morning. Um, in Hebrew, tithe, of course, means a tenth, right? A tenth of your income. We could get into the discussion, is that before taxes? Is that after taxes? You know, do I tithe on my bonus? Um, but I love 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? Yeah. Um, tithing isn't a way to earn God's love, right? We already have that, Yeah. Uh, It's a way to give your heart to God by physically reminding yourself that he provides everything that we need. Right. So it's less a financial topic and more of a spiritual topic. Tithing is. Um, It shows God that you trust him and not money to provide. Right. Especially if we are in uncertain times or hard seasons. Right. COVID, pandemic, you know, uncertain times, you know, tithing still a priority. Um, it's, it can be stressful sometimes. Now when we do our budget, the very first thing on our line is tithing, right? 
first thing, first of the month, and you're, you, when you start, you're surprised, maybe a little bit, that you have plenty of money. You really do. Once you get things in order, once you start tithing and giving. Um, totally lost my train of thought there. Oh, Becky was talking about the open hand, right? And giving it to God. It's the same thing with your finances. Same thing with tithing. If you close your hand around your money, nothing gets out, but nothing gets in, right? You open your hand, you give and you tithe with a cheerful heart. You're opening up your heart and yourself to unexpected opportunities and blessings, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's the physical reminder, right? It's the writing the check and putting it in the box. It's uh, taking the money, putting it in an envelope, putting it in the back. Um, it's going to the website, physically doing that. And it reminds you to continue to have faith that he will provide you everything that you need. Yeah. So I will end with Luke 16.10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So... Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time together today. We are so grateful for pastors willing to to talk about subjects that are maybe sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. We commit our finances to you, Father God. I pray that we are good stewards of all of your resources. Where we have been unwise, bring us restoration and give us guidance. I pray that you would take away any worry, anxieties, or fear that we may have about our finances and replace them with faith. God, we just give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> all right. Now I can get into some, some stuff. Am I, am I missing anything else now? Okay. Right. Just making sure. I don't have a map, so she's my compass. Um, anyways, um, I wanted to start off this morning by just letting you guys know, because it's been a long time since we've let you guys know, that um, you know we, we believe in communion here. We believe in the elements of Jesus' body and the, the things that he gave to his disciples before he went to heaven, before he went to the cross. And um, so we believe in communion. And for the last several years, yes, I said years, we have had communion available right up here on this table if you feel like you need to take it. You know, there's some people that say, well, you know, how come we don't take it every week? How come we don't take it? You know, we only take it at certain times, things like that. Because I like to do communion when God says do communion. I don't like to, to make it just something that we do and lose the heart and the meaning behind it. So in that, I want, to, I want to invite you, I want to tell you that at any point on a Sunday morning, I don't care if it's during worship, I don't care if it's during my message, I don't care if it's during a prayer time, if you feel the need to take communion, it is available right up here. So I want to invite you that if you need to take communion, take it. Do what God's telling you to do, amen? I believe that this month of October is a, is a month to revisit the elements that Jesus gave us. So um, I believe there's a, there's a high call for us to be in communion with God through his elements. Amen? So I, I just wanted to let you all know that I, I think about that quite often, and, and then I get up here and I don't say anything. So anyways, there it is, communion, right over there.
Okay? All right. Uh, the, the, the last thing I want to say before I get into my message is I, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you who have been praying for me through the month of September. September has been uh, a surgery month for me. We had a prayer night here uh, to pray over me because uh, I wanted it. I, I wanted your prayers and things like that because I just I didn't know what this surgery was going to entail. And, you know, I, I don't want to fear anything. So I wanted everybody to come together and pray over me and pray with me through this whole thing. And I appreciate your prayers so much. I thank you so much. The, the surgery has been successful up to this point. They haven't, they've got me all hooked up to the, I've got a generator in my chest. And uh, if, I, if I flex, you can see it. Uh, I got an extra peck. <laughs> But I got a generator in my chest. It's hooked up to wires that go into my brain, and and um, but they don't have it turned on yet. So that's the reason I'm still kind of jittery up here a little bit. But they'll they'll turn it on in November, and and I think that uh, from there uh, we'll start seeing uh, some good results. Amen? Amen. So, anyways, just I just wanted to fill you in on that and say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you would, go over to Genesis chapter 28. We're going to start in Genesis today. Uh, I hope that by the time we reach Revelation, it'll be at least midnight tonight. And, and we'll, we'll see how everybody stays, how long everybody stays. Now, um, we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 28. And I want to ask you a question to start off. I don't like asking a lot of questions to the congregation, but just think about this uh, question I'm going to ask you. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, Jesus is coming soon? How many of you all have heard it for years? Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. I, I, I have heard that all my life. And, and I believe that. I believe that Jesus is coming soon. I think he's coming sooner than we think we, we know. And he can come back at any time, but Jesus is coming soon. And the thing that I, I, I was thinking about that phrase, I think a lot of people say it. I think a lot of people hear it, but there's not a lot of people that feel it. You know, we hear it and we know that it's right. We say it and we know that it's right. But is the, do we feel it? Do we, do we actually feel it? And sometimes, you know, like in the times that we're in, you know, the wars and rumors of wars and all that kind of thing, uh, we, we think, yeah, I, I, can, you know, I, I can feel that the end is coming. But I, what I think when I hear that, it's been said so much that the, the, uh, it's, it, it is said with a sense of urgency. It is said with a sense of hope. It is said with the expectation of transformation. You know, because if we say Jesus is coming soon, somebody's going to get a hold of that and say, oh no, I better get my life right. Right? That's, that's, that's the point. But sometimes we get numb to Jesus is coming soon. And, and what I, I see is, you know, people sense the gravity of his return, but they grow numb to the reality of it. 
And it's almost become that way in our modern day church because there are so many churches that are, that are saying, um, you know, that we want to be a church that um, on, on earth as it is in heaven. We take that from the, from the prayer that Jesus prayed in Matthew chapter 6, and, and we say, you know, we want to be a church that is seeing heavenly things happening on earth. But so many people have been saying it, so many people have used it as their mantra, so many people have used it as their vision, that the on earth as it is in heaven is kind of getting things numb. I'm not saying that we shouldn't say that. I'm just saying we should feel the weight of what that word is. We should feel the weight. <clears throat> you know, has, has on earth as, in, as it is in heaven just become a concept? Or are we, are we truly creating space with that to bring transformation to each and every one of us? Every one of us need to be transformed. And as we move into the season of fall, I think there are things that um, it's a season. Uh, as we move into fall, that it is a season of from heaven to earth. Because when we when we go through this season of fall, we come across some of God's feasts, the feast of the Lord. The fall feasts begin to happen, and and just last Sunday night. Um, we moved into the Feast of Trumpets. If Jesus is going to come back, that's when he's going to come back. That's what Paul said. He said he's going he's to blow the trumpet, the eastern sky is going to split, and Jesus is going to come back. And that's last Sunday night, it should have been it. So now we got one more year. And in that, we're in this season that we've got one more year, we need to get our stuff right. We can't continue in sin. We can't continue in the place where we are just people that, that don't need to be transformed until we get scared enough that Jesus may come back tomorrow. Right? So, you know, in this season of heaven to earth, we need to be intentional because if we're intentional about recognizing and being aware and observing God's fall feast, what's going to happen is we're going to see mercy poured out. We're going to see freedom poured out. We're going to see heavenly relationship poured out upon us. I had posted a deal this week because of the Feast of Trumpets that we entered into the, the, what, the, um, what the Hebrews, the Jewish people, call the days of awe. There are ten days of awe. It is, it is a time of being intentional about the awesomeness of who God is. That's the days of awe, awe, awesome awe, right? <laughs> and that's... That's what he's looking for. He's looking for us to be in a place fearful of him, not, not the fearful uh, negative sort, but the fearful positive thing. Um, being reverent of him, hearing his voice on what we need to do personally to set ourselves in a place where we're ready to meet him face to face. 
So in that, I, I want to talk this morning, the, the name of my message is called Thin Places. Thin Places. I know you all might think that that's a, you know, Gold's Gym or something like that. You know, it's where we go to get thin. But it's not. So I'll, I want to talk about thin places this morning. Genesis chapter 28. This, the, I, want to, I want to share a story with you here out of Genesis chapter 28 about a man named Jacob. Now, now Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac. And um, here in, in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob, whose name means, um, uh, it, it means a swindler, a con man. That's what he was. Names meant a lot back then. And when his mom and daddy named him Jacob, they named him as a con man. And so working true to his name, he had a twin brother named Esau. Esau um, came out of the womb first. He's a, he's a twin. He came out of the womb first, so he was the firstborn. But Jacob and his mama got together and swindled or conned their dad, his dad Isaac out of Esau's birthright. He was the firstborn. He should have got the inheritance blessing. But Jacob conned Isaac and stole Esau's birthright. And so Esau set out a, a vow. He said, if I catch you, I will kill you. <laughs> Sounds like, uh, what's, that, what's that guy in that movie? Huh? Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. In the show, in the movie Taken, he says, I will find you and I will kill you. He got it from Esau. So Esau vowed to kill Jacob if he catches him. And so while Jacob's on the run trying to, trying to stay clear of Esau, he comes to a place here that, that I'm going to talk about. He comes to a place here, and it is the same place that God visited Abraham when Abraham was making his way through, um, through modern-day Israel. He was making his way through, and Abraham stopped at this place, and God said, I promise you everything. I'm going to give you everything. So as Jacob is running from Esau, he stops at this same place. So that just so you know how we're, how we're doing this. So uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Are you ready? Three of you are ready? How about the rest of you? All right. Verse 10, it says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. When he dreamed, uh, when he dreamed, behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached the heaven, reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, "I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants." Verse fourteen. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall, uh, you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south, 
And in you and in your seed, your, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. And I will, I will not leave you until I have done. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that had been put at his head and set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. <clears throat> but the name of that city had been Luz for, uh, previously. How would you like to live in Luz? <laughs> I don't want to live in Luz. <clears throat> then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I, uh, that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, and the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And, uh, and of all you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. He says, God, everything that you're going to give me here, I'm going to tithe. I'm not preaching a tithing message because I left that to her to preach this morning. <laughs> But I think it's really cool how he says, whatever you give me, this, in this land, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to commit to you, Father, that you will get the tithe. I promise you, I promise you, that if you will commit to tithe, you will not have enough room to contain what God will give you. Amen? Amen? So here in this group of scriptures that I read to you, three times in, in uh, verse 11, it says a certain place or that place. Verse 16, verse 17, all the way down, he keeps referring back to the place that he was at. Because, you know, sometimes when we read this, we focus on the dream. The dream is awesome. The dream is from God. The dream of, of, you know, this ladder from earth into heaven and that the angels are ascending and descending. I, I've heard people, I, I've heard stories of people who have died and gone to heaven and then come back into their bodies. And they're saying while they're traveling, when they leave their body and begin to travel to heaven, that the prayers of the earth are passing them. I mean, they can see the, 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 the words that people are praying passing them and getting to heaven before they do. So that's, that's basically what Jacob is seeing here. He's seeing in this dream, he's seeing angels ascend and descend. He's not seeing them descend and ascend. He's seeing the importance of what takes place here on earth that they carry into heaven. And then they come back. That's cool. 
So we, we a lot of times focus on the dream or on the staircase or on that, that piece of the dream. The, but the dream was not given until Jacob got to the place. This story is about the place. It's about that place that he was at. The dream would have never happened if he would have stopped two blocks back. He wouldn't have saw that. He had to be in that place. And so as he was in that place, it was, it was a place of where heaven and earth collide. It is a place where heaven and earth intersect. God is all about intersection. He loves intersection. I mean, the very cross that Jesus died on was an intersection. <clears throat> but what Jacob began to see was God's intentional place to bring transformation to him. It was a place of transformation. It was a place for him to come to, to where he realizes that he stole his brother's birthright. And God said, even though you stole it, I'll protect you from Esau. And he did. So as I was looking at this and reading this story, this story is about a thin place. That place where that altar was set up, that place where Jacob was at, that place was a place that was a thin place. <clears throat> when we talk about the message that Jesus preached everywhere he went, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because at the, at the back, when you hold your hand, hold your hand out in front of you like that. Right beyond where your hand, the end of your hand is, is a thin veil. And it is heaven on the other side. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's why John the Baptist said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because there is a thin place between us and heaven. There is a thin place. So I, I got this back. I, I started looking at this. I heard this for the first time uh, in April, uh, earlier this year in April. I was listening to a podcast. In this podcast, these two guys were talking about St. Patrick. And, you know, we know St. Patrick is you got to wear green or you get pinched or whatever, you know, we... We, we hear St. Patrick's Day, we hear all this stuff, and, and people of Irish descent really, really love St. Patrick. And so I was listening to these guys talk about St. Patrick and how St. Patrick, uh, you know, when he was, when he was on earth, uh, his role in bringing Christianity to the, to the Irish. The, um, the, the island of Ireland, during that time of St. Patrick, they only had about 250,000 people there. They had never heard the gospel until St. Patrick came. And when he came, him alone in the time that he went to Ireland and the time he left, there were over 100,000 people that gave their life to Jesus because they had never heard that before. They were mean. They were barbarians. There's, there's history that says that when Rome showed up, you know, the Romans and all their polished gear and all that kind of stuff, they come marching onto the isle, the, the island of Ireland. 
and they come marching in, and these these barbarians didn't have any armor. They were just naked dudes running down the hill at, at Rome, at the Roman army. The Roman army said, these guys are nuts. They threw down their gear, and they went and got on the boat and went back to Rome because, because these dudes were crazy. So... Um, so I was listening to this, this podcast on, on St. Patrick's impact on Ireland. And the, the, from the time that, they, that uh, the people of Ireland begin to, to, to follow after Christianity and things like that, you know, the, the Celts, they, they had um, a culture about them. And one of their cultures, a piece of their culture was identifying thin places. It was those places where they knew that, it, the, that heaven was close and earth was close. And to go to those places called thin places, that they could get closer to God and closer to heaven and the blessing of the Lord would begin to come upon them. And, and so they came up with the term of thin places. And, you know, as, as you start studying and looking at the, the Celtics, the, the Irish Back during that time, what you find is there's a lot of mysticism, uh, and mystics rise out of that. And I love reading about mystics. I love the mystic side of things. And I think you know, years ago we started we started preaching on uh, the uh, the feasts and and the uh, Hebrew roots and things like that. Years ago we started preaching on those things. Back whenever people pushed back against that. They, did, they didn't like to hear that. They didn't understand it. And I think that we've come through this, um, this time full culture, that full, full circle, because the, the culture of Hebrew roots are now being accepted uh, on a large scale. I mean, you can turn on TBN and somebody, you're going to find somebody talking about the Hebrew roots of our faith. <clears throat> back when I started preaching, when Lynette and I started preaching it, people hated it. And push back against us and, I mean, talk about how crazy we were and all that kind of thing, borderline cult and all that kind of stuff. And um, so now I'm, I'm kind of in this place where, okay, I'm going to take a step out of that. I'm not leaving it, but I'm taking a step out of that. And I'm going to look into some of this mystic stuff because I like that stuff. It's fun. But people don't like that. So, so get ready. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> so I, I become, as I heard these things, I become intrigued with thin places. Because the Irish or the Celts believed that these thin places were, um, they had three or four different um, uh, descriptions of where they found thin places. They found thin places on mountains. They found thin places on coastlines. They found thin places on the sea. They, and they, they found thin places walking along cliffs. I, I'm fearful of heights a lot of times. But to, to walk on edges, you better be close to God. <laughs> I, I remember in 2009, uh, we took a trip. Um, uh, Doug Koshell and I and some other people took a trip out to Moab. And I had my dirt bike, and we were riding out through there, and, and we come to... Uh, has anybody ever been to Moab? 
when you're driving in when you're driving into Moab, going past uh, the Arches National Park, on the uh, west side there is a sheer wall. As you go into Moab, well, we come out of Moab and we parked up the, up the canyon, and we rode our motorcycles up on top of that that ridge, and we come to the edge of that ridge. I remember looking out over, I think it's Highway 191 or something like that that runs into Moab, and we're way above it. We're we're on this cliff that is a thousand feet straight down, and you know me and me and Doug are going like this, <laughs> looking over that cliff. It's a thin place. It's real thin. And, and so I can understand why they felt, why the, the, the Irish felt something. Because, you, because when you're standing on the edge of a cliff like that, <clears throat> when you're standing there, the reality of standing there is greater than your humanity. And therefore, you step back. You know, that's what keeps you from going over the edge. So thin places, I'm, I'm really intrigued with thin places because I've, I've felt thin places. I didn't know that I'd felt thin, thin places, but I had, I was aware. I'm, I'm learning how to be aware. <clears throat> because thin places are, are a place where the veil of heaven to earth is that place. I preached a message several years ago, a few years ago now, called From the Gap to the Lap. You know, and, and I talked about when we pray, sometimes we pray this far out prayer. God's way off. You know, we just hope God, we'll send up a prayer and hope that God gets it. But how much better is it when we realize that God is right here? Even though we can't see him, see him, he's right here. And he wants us to get into his lap. That is a thin place when we can step into his lap with what God has given us. Amen? And, and feel closer to heaven. I, I had a, a deal that happened to me. Um, kind of helped me understand some of this as I was thinking back on it. Um, I had a... I sat down with a guy that led me through some inner healing. We all have places on the inside of us that hurt and pain, especially if you're a pastor. You know, I find out there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt that, that you got to deal with over, over time. So I went back and was doing some inner healing, and he was talking, and he said, how do you see God right now? And what I saw in my mind's eye is God is, you know, I saw this, uh, this um, big white, like a Greek building, you know, sitting up on... Uh, stairs. There's stairs that go up to it. And God is sitting on this big marble white throne. And he's white, this almost like cartoonish. And, and I, I said, I see God in this kind of this stoic, cold, white form. And so as we prayed through that, God took me to, Jesus took me to a place to where I see him. I begin to, the, you know, the Father God began to be transformed into a human form. But then whenever I, I would go to meet with Jesus during this session, I would go to this place that was on the side of a hill that had rock wall, just like it is in Ireland. And the grass is blowing, and there's one tree there. And I went and sat on that wall, and someone put their hand on the back of my shoulder. 
And when I turned around, it was Jesus. He wasn't in this long flowy robe with long hair and a, a glow around his head. He was a warrior. He almost like when you when you watch like uh, the Gladiator, or or even even uh, Braveheart. He's this warrior, you know, and and he's got this sword on the back of you know. He sits down. He's a young man, and he sits down beside me. He says, "What are we going to do today?" I said, first, I need to get all the crap out of my life. He says, well, you handle that, and we'll take a walk, all right? That's where I began to see Jesus. I didn't know. I just knew that seeing Jesus was like being in Ireland. And so when I go to be with Jesus now, in my prayer time or whatever, that's where I go. I go to Ireland. It's fun. Because I know that it's Jesus and he's taken me closer to heaven and I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been. Thin places calls or beckons or draws us into a mysterious power and into the presence of a kingdom and in the presence of the king. Whatever that, whatever that kingdom is, we get into the presence of the king. Jesus, right? Thin places beckon us and they call us and they they draw us into that that place of mysterious power. Thin places can be a location. We we talked about this with with Jacob here in Genesis chapter 28. We, We see that he is in a thin place and he recognizes it as a place. Because this is the place where God is speaking. This is a place where I'm, I'm, I'm hitting this, this um, veil where God is saying, look, I'm going to protect you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of you. And he says, you know, it's, it's a location. It's a place. But thin places are also something we can create. We don't have to go to Ireland. We can create thin spaces because God, thin places because God wants to transform us into that place where we can can, um, take on his persona and become a thin place. I love, you know, when somebody comes up to you and says, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm Darren Gleghorn, you know. Well, there's something different about you. When they notice there's something different about you, it's because they're seeing a thin place that you've created. You don't have to go places and tell everybody you're a Christian. As a matter of fact, it's probably easier if you don't. But what you need to do is walk out your thin place. Walk out that thin place and and who you are. Thin places are are things that we can create. We can be that thin place. Especially when we're soaked in the word. We're soaked in worship. We're soaked in the presence and relationship with God. When we take our relationship with God seriously, it will create a thin place in who you are. Amen? Thin places can be buildings and churches. I've heard stories of people going like over into um, 
Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, France, and going into those old churches and things like that, they can feel, they can feel the presence of God. Places around here in America, you know, where uh, revivals have broke out, you know, um, uh, down in Florida, uh, gosh, what's the name of that town? Huh? Brownsville. Yeah, it, it was in um, a, a town, though. But the Brownsville Revival in, in, uh, in Florida, um, Toronto, uh, Ontario had a huge revival. They say that when you go into those places where those huge revivals are, you can feel the presence. Azusa, California, you can feel the presence. So uh, buildings and church, I, I think about our building right here. Um, one Sunday morning, not long after we moved into this building, there was a lady that showed up on a motorcycle. And she showed up, she came in, had her leathers on, all that kind of stuff. And she, she sat down, I believe it was right over here, wasn't it? And she said, after service, she came up to Lynette and I and says, my dad built this place. And it was not built, it was built for a restaurant and all that kind of stuff. But he, she said, when I was a little girl, when they were building this building, we went around in the footers of this building and wrote scriptures into the, to the wet cement. I've had people come into this building, come and tell me, I have not felt the presence of the Lord anywhere else like I felt it here. I mean, this is just an old bar and honky-tonk, man. But God is here. His Spirit is here. This is a thin place, I believe, with all my heart. I've had people come in and say, they come in and go, what is that smell? I'm like, there's a bar, <laughs> you know. They'd say, no, this, this smell, I've never smelled it before. It smells so good in here. It's a thin place. It's a thin place. My desire for, for this church, my desire is for us to be able to be a people prepared as a thin place to bring the presence of the Lord, to reveal Jesus, to, to reveal an invisible Jesus and make him so real that people's lives are transformed. <laughs> I've had, I had people, you know, when, when COVID hit, we, of course, were compliant with things that were going on. We just didn't know what to, what to do and all that kind of thing. One of the things that we removed from um, after COVID was donuts. And I've had people get angry. I've had people leave the church because we're not serving donuts no more. You know what? I don't care. I don't, I don't want to be a church about donuts. I want to be a church about Jesus. I want to be a church about the presence of the Lord. Hey, if you get a donut, you had a better day, I guess. But um, there, is no, there is no talk about bringing donuts back. Amen. Um, our hospitality people are going, yeah. Because I, I, it's not about the donuts. It's not about giving somebody who's new here a bag with 
pens and paper in it and cookies and coffee or whatever the case may be. I don't want that. I want to give people Jesus. I want Jesus to be magnified. Jesus is king over this place, not us and not donuts. Now, I love donuts as much as the next guy, but dear God, Winchell's is open 24 hours a day. Go down there and get some. Shoot, if you ain't got no money to get donuts, come see me. I'll give you some money and you can go get your own donuts. That's going to be our new vision. <laughs> We're about Jesus, not donuts. So, you know, when we're talking about thin places, we're not talking about, you know, you have to go to Ireland to, to find those things because those things are here. They are in this earth. And it's, it's what we need to respect about thin places is that it's about making ourselves aware of thin places and then being in the moment when we recognize thin places. Being in the moment, knowing that we are closer to heaven right now than, than we've ever been before. <clears throat> and what I'm finding as I study this is that time can be a thin place. As a matter of fact, I'm on a thin place right now because time is winding down. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that time can be a thin place. Back in, in um, December... Uh, the last of December of 2019, before we rolled into 2020, Lynette was preaching up here. God gave her a message about time. And that time, we, she brought out um, the, the, the definition or the, the Hebrew or the Greek words. I'm sorry, the Greek words of time. There are two Greek words about time. One is called chronos which is measured time. It's where, we get, it's where we get our watch from. It's where we get our clocks and our calendars. That's measured time. That's chronos. But there's another word in the Greek about time, and it's called kairos. You all remember that? Kairos. And kairos is not about a measured time. It's about a moment in time. And that we need to find those moments. We need to be aware of those moments. We need to be um, uh, savvy. We need to be expecting those moments. Because Kairos moments are the moments of thin places. <clears throat> so, so when we think about this season that we're moving into, we're, you know, 2022, we've moved into fall. The, the fall feasts are, are there, and, and those I believe with all my heart that those fall feasts are thin places. If you would um, look over at Leviticus chapter 23, I just want to point out something, something I found while I was studying this. It's really cool, because Leviticus chapter 23 talks about the feasts of the Lord. And people say, uh, you know, you're, Leviticus, that is the Old Testament, that's, that's the Old Testament. I don't, I don't read the Old Testament. I read the New Testament. I'm a New Testament believer. Well, you're missing out on two-thirds of what God is if you don't come back to those things. I like what Rhett said a couple of weeks ago up here. He was talking about Proverbs 25.2, and he said, you know, that Proverbs 25.2 is that it is the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. 
And if, if, if we're just living with this attitude, because see, the, the Old Testament, I heard somebody say years ago, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So if we're not going to read the Old Testament and we're not going to read the fall feast because it's Old Testament, then that is a sure sign of maturity because you're going to conceal it, but you won't reveal it. We're not mature at all if we, if we just let it be concealed and not search it out. But it's the mature. It's God can bring maturity to the person who searches out what he conceals. And so as we look at these fall feasts, what we, what we come to is, is here in Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23. Look at verse 1. Uh, Leviticus 23.1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. So when we start talking about the feast of the Lord, somebody says, Oh, that's Jewish stuff. No, it's not Jewish stuff. It is Godish stuff. Because he didn't say, these are the feasts of the Jews. He said, these are my feasts. Now you get on board and, and yeah. observe it. Yeah. Amen? He is revealing, revealing what he had concealed. So as we begin to, to, to search these matters out, um, he says here, he says, in verse 2, he says, you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Anytime before that I've preached on holy convocations, what I've said is these are rehearsals. And they are. They're rehearsals. They're, we were, when we observe the Feast of the Lord, we are, we are rehearsing. Um, when, when we observe, we are rehearsing His feasts. We are walking out the motions of His feasts. Amen? That's what we're doing. But here's what I found when I, I looked this word holy convocation up. <laughs> this is cool. The word holy convocations means places... Strong's Concordance, places of gathering. Places of gathering. What happens when we come together as a congregation every Sunday? A thin place. This becomes a thin place because we are gathered together. We are holy people. It becomes a place of gathering. And so when the fall feast, when we talk about the feast of the Lord, he says, these are holy convocations. He says, these are places where it's thin. These are places where it's thin. When we come together, we create a thin place. That's why it's so easy for people to come in here and get saved. Because they're, they're closer to God in this place than than they are at Walmart, than they are at Target, than they are at King Supers, than they are at 7-Eleven. It's not a location as much as it's a Kairos moment. Because we're talking about time. It's a divine moment. Will you not see it? Will you not feel it? I don't know about you, but I can feel it. I can feel it. 
why when we get in that place of worship and, and you see people coming forward and getting on their knees, when you see flags being raised, uh, waved, it's because we're recognizing that it's a thin moment and we need to take advantage of that thin moment, that thin place. Just like Jacob did there at the altar at Bethel. Like Jacob, we have come to this sacred ground. And what was so cool, so cool, that I saw in Genesis 28 was that Jacob saw in his dream that it was so thin where he was at that he said, surely this is the gate of heaven. I don't know if you were here last week or not, but Pastor Greg got up here and spoke and he talked about gates. He said that God told him to throw his message away that he had written and to talk about gates. Why? Because God knew we were going this week. Because when you get into a thin place, it is the place of heaven's gates. I had a friend years ago that that we used to do the Feast of the Lord with. He had a church over in Fort Collins. And Mark Appleby is his name. And he said, the reason that we do the feast, that we recognize the feast of the Lord, because it's during these times that when we reach up, God is reaching down. It is a thin place. It's thinner than any other day when we begin to look at the feast of the Lord. It's the gates of heaven. Last Sunday, for two days, the Feast of of Trumpets was celebrated. On Tuesday evening at sunset, um, the Day of Atonement, it's called Yom Kippur. You could probably see that on your your calendar. Yom Kippur starts. It's a one day. It's not a feast. It is a solemn day. As a matter of fact, it's a day of the fast. So Tuesday evening until Wednesday evening, there's a 24-hour fast because it's the Day of Atonement. It's the day that God, His mercy is being poured out on people and that we put ourselves in a place where we're connected to Him. Laying down all of our sin, laying down all of our life, laying down everything in order to be as close to him as we can be. It's a thin place. Then next, next Sunday evening starts the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is when Jesus was born. You say, well, I thought that was Christmas. That's traditional. But the truth is, true north, on your compass is the Feast of Tabernacles is when Jesus was born. I can prove it, but I'm not going to right now. I'm just going to ask you to take my word for it. And if that upsets your apple cart, I'm sorry. But you ain't going to change me because I know. I know what God's doing. 
Not because I'm great, it's just because I listen sometimes. <laughs> Rhett, come on up. <clears throat> Thin places. God, his whole purpose of making us who we are is so that we can be transformed, right? We need to be transformed. And it's, it's these times, it's, it's the times of the feast, it's the times of Sabbath, it's the times of us going to church. This is where God wants to transform us. He wants us to be transformed into his image. Because when he does come back, y'all, when he does come back, he has got to know who is his. That makes sense? And when we are transformed, we are transformed into his image and into his likeness. And he's coming back for people that look like him. We are his bride. And we are people that live in thin places. We are people that live in thin places and we are people who are transformed by those thin places. So we need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive and we need to be intentional about these places. And I believe just like when we hear Jesus is coming soon, sometimes we kind of put that on the back burner. We hear it. We say it, but do we feel it? And if we're growing numb, if we're growing numb to those things, we need to allow ourselves to be transformed into recognizing thin places. This is a, this is a phrase that I'm going to use for the rest of my life. This is a, I mean, I just started studying on the Irish culture and stuff like that. I love it. And things are going to get mysterious sometimes. And I may come up with some things that are pretty off the wall. But I want to be a mystic. I want to have the dreams. I love that stuff and I want it. I don't know if I'll get it, but I want it. And I want to share it with you. I believe there's some things in that 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 God wants to transform us and God wants to send us into a place where we are that church that takes the invisible Jesus and and makes him real and seeable. Would you join me in that? I feel like there's people that have been, um, I feel like you've been numb. You know, you've been a Christian for a long time probably and you, and you feel numb. You feel like, oh yeah, it's the same old thing, you know. But I, I, I really want you to be sensitive. I want you to be intentional because God wants to lead us into some thin places that we've never been before. He wants to do some, some things in our midst that, that we've been pretty reluctant to let him do. right there where you're at. Just take a minute. Thank you, Father.
think that there are there's somebody here that there's somebody here that you've been thinking about divorcing your spouse not for any big reason not for any reason of infidelity or anything like that but you've been it's been crossing your mind it's been like hey, you know it's same old same old Every, you know we've been married same old same old and God wants to flush that from your mind now here's the deal I'm not going to point you out I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything like that so be you're, you're safe you're in a safe place you're in a thin place because he wants to wash your mind he wants to wash your heart cleanse you and bring you together with your spouse does that make sense? not if it does Father I pray right now for whoever this is male or female I, I don't know but God right now in Jesus name I pray that you would wash their mind that you would wash their heart that you would wash the thoughts out of their out of their minds and allow the covenant of what they made before you your covenant with their spouse that if it's a man that he would lay down his life as you laid down yours for us that he would lay down his life for his spouse if it's a woman father i pray that you would rise up in her, wash her with the pure love of who you are, that she would love her husband and that she would get rid of the thoughts of what life would be like on the other side of the fence. But give her that pure love right now for her husband. If this is a conversation that happened between a husband and a wife and they're moving forward in it, Father, I pray that the covenant that they made with with each other Through your blood, Jesus, I pray that that would be washed clean and that you would bring them together in the perfect unity. The perfect unity. Perfect unity. And take the divorce word off the table. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray that if there's anyone here under the sound of my voice that's never made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, if they've come this morning and they said, you know, I've never heard any of this stuff, but all I know is that Jesus died on the cross and I need to receive that. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would give them the boldness to say yes to following after Jesus. See, Jesus never came to this earth and said, you know, I, I need you. To, if you're going to follow me, I need you to walk an aisle. I need you to pray a prayer. I need you to raise a hand. He never said that. He just said, would you come and follow me? So if that's you today and you just need to come and follow him, just say yes to him right now. Just say yes to him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for thin places. God, I pray that you would call us and, and, and um, position us to intentionally feel thin places so that we can bring heaven to earth, so that we can be responsible people to bring heaven to earth. In Jesus' name, amen.